during that little like three months break, um, decided with one of my former colleagues, Crystal Berringer, to launch an events company. And what that time attending networking events every single week taught us was that there was an opening in the market here to launch a very thoughtful um, event planning and marketing company um, to kind of raise the bar of the interactions yeah. for the business community. Carrie Shepard, welcome to the Orange Slice podcast. Thank Thanks you, for... Seth. Thank you, Seth. Uh, favorite marketer and neighbor. And neighbor here. in Rogers Park. Yeah, holding down the Midtown uh, section of Anchorage. Heck yeah. You guys always have the coolest parties at your house. I got well, to come to one. Did you come to the Jazz Fest? No, that's the one I missed. Oh, you the... came to the uh, the Cider Fest where we like put a bonfire out and try to stay warm in yep. 20 degree weather. It was yeah, so cold. That was really fun. Yeah. Really cold. Yeah, we hosted Jazz Bernard Jazz Fest house party a few years ago, and so far that was my favorite. But our neighbors in that little section of Rogers Park pledged to um, start hosting a neighborhood, basically like a street party. And Matt Walzek, our favorite photo booth guy, of course. moved down the street from us. He's on Bannister, and yeah. he hosted the first one this summer. So that Did was he? really cool. Oh, I yeah. missed it. I know. I was out of town, too. But next year, next year. Oh, Matt's awesome. He's got like how many Volkswagen bu buses? He has a rotating cast, a rotating cast. I think he told yeah. me 12 last time. Oh so. my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I, I, in doing some research about, you know, your background and your career, because I, I actually didn't know a lot about like mm -hmm. where you came from and like what you, uh, you know, what you did in the past. And uh, you've always struck me as a super smart, super savvy business person. And, uh, but like your, your LinkedIn's crazy. It's like got all kinds of like, like you work for Intel and, uh, like all kinds of crazy, uh, jobs and positions you've held. Um, you know, I don't know where you want to start, but I, I want to hear a little bit about like your, your background in the tech industry and like what, where that came from and, and how that, uh, you know, how that kind of shaped you into who you are today. Wow. It feels like you've got a bit of a sixth sense because I am preparing for my seventh business in 2024 and I'm going back into tech. <laughs> wow. Um, so it's perfect timing. And I haven't really told many people about it because I'm going to launch at the end of next year. And in the meantime, I'm kind of in student mode right now preparing. Anyway. Are well, you able to talk, tell us about yeah, it? Yeah, I'll oh, tell okay, you a exciting. little bit about cool, it. But... Cool, cool. Awesome. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure what the end result will be. You know, it depends on market research. But, um, well, I grew up in Valdez, Alaska. My parents came up as teachers in the 70s. And um, Valdez, you know, is just this really special little town in Alaska that had a consistent influx of new people and new ideas, along with a well-founded tax base, thanks to the pipeline. And also the families of the pipeline workers who'd lived all around the world. And what that created um, was uh, a school district that was very forward thinking and starting in the early 80s established the first like real computer labs in schools. And we actually at one time I heard <laughs> um, that our school system in Valdez had a better Macintosh business lab than the, anywhere in the state of Alaska, like better than the government and most businesses. Wow. And so we started learning programming in kindergarten. Today's my birthday. I'm 46. I'm not, I'm not too afraid Wait, to say that. Wait, it is your birthday it today. Is. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but so this would have been like early 80s. And so we were learning logo. Remember programming that little turtle? You're shaking your head. No, I, you never had to sit No, I, I mean, I remember the first Macintosh I think I interacted with was in fifth grade in Miss Wall's class. And uh, yeah, I, I remember playing uh, Oregon Trail is yes. what I, I remember. Yeah, that was I never got <laughs> any coding experience or anything like that. But uh, this is how a lot of like when I listen to like um, like podcasts with uh, with like tech leaders mm -hmm. in the industry they talk about like this kind of thing like our school was the first to get like this yes. thing and we got to learn on it and then it, it, it elevated them to a point where they're like way ahead of the game when it you know when they're in their late 40s or whatever it is so it's so yeah. true so like by first grade in the 80s um most kids could type probably 30 to 40 words per minute you know and um better than i type you know. <laughs> i know 
<laughs> and we started um, word processing in those early, like kindergarten, first grade. And then it progressed um, to the point where my husband, Stephen, who you've met, um, he owns an IT company now. Shout out to Artisan Systems. When but, did he start that? Uh, he started that seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, um, but he and his friends um, who were really deep into the IT program at Valdez High School, they all had professional jobs coming straight out of high school. Steven's from Valdez as He's well. He's from Valdez oh, as well. Oh, yeah, wow. I like to say I married the most eligible bachelor from Valdez. Um, when did you guys meet <laughs> and like get together? I just uh, a sidebar here. But. Right, right. No, we met as this is like embarrassing Alaska talk, but we met as babies in his family's log cabin in '77. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> wow. And his mom was just reminiscing about that. So we've known each other a long time. Um, but fast forward and. What's crazy is 17-year-old Steven and his friends were such good programmers, and uh, I remember, like, they hacked the school, like, grade system. I know. Amazing. So what I would do with that guy. Yeah, totally. What do you do with this power? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and and would do all kinds of silly things. But anyway, by the time that they were 17, they all had these fantastic jobs. And when they graduated, I remember being really shocked that they had jobs on par with people in their 30s. And that really was just – honestly the result of a couple decades of great investment in technology and learning for the next generation so that's pretty awesome. wild yeah I know. well that's crazy i had no idea about that story <laughs> when we first came in here so that's a great back backdrop to uh to where we're going now totally no i will say like i don't really have a mind for technology um yeah. i come from a family of entrepreneurs and teachers and my dad was just keenly interested in computers and um, he actually brought the first Nintendo that I know of to Alaska. He bought it in Taiwan in 1984 and brought it over. All the directions were in Japanese. So my grandfather is, uh, he's my step-grandpa. He's Japanese-American. We sent him like photos and was like, can you just tell us what this is? And so we had this like Japanese Nintendo. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> for a couple years. Translate it right, right. You. And then like a couple years later. Yeah, so my dad like had this keen fascination with computers, and that really led us to thinking about and learning um, how to do things better and more efficiently for business with computers. So I think my interactions like I'm not a great gamer. I don't. I've taken programming classes. I don't really have the brain for it, but I'm very keenly interested in how do you use these tools to get to your other goals faster. For sure. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that kind of speeds me up to say, like, I went to college for economics, and when I graduated, um, got a job for Intel in Colorado Springs, and um, it was very low-paying in a cubicle farm. I must say it was not very joyful, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what was really neat was learning learning more about just, like, how that sector works, and, and... you know, one of the big takeaways I think for, um, that I think like helped me as I began starting my own companies was the copy exactly model from Intel. Have you heard of it? No, no. Okay. So one of the ways that they've been able to scale is that they adopted this principle called copy exactly. And it, it's starts from even just the basics of like how they design their fabs. So their fabrication labs are have the exact same footprint so that when you go from Oregon to Colorado, let's say, you know exactly where the bathrooms are. Got you it. know where the gym is. You know where the, the cafeteria is. Yeah, totally, totally smart. And they just understood systems um, at such a deep level. So that was a really great entree into understanding, you know, how the tech sector kind of operates, but also, um, again, how to use these learnings to accelerate growth in your own business. Yeah, to scale your business. Yeah, right. I, that's awesome. And uh, you're uh, education-wise, like, what did you uh, end up getting your uh, your degrees in? You know, I was, like, one of those people that was always, curi- like, intensely curious but never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I remember having, like, a lot of angst as, like, graduating both from high school and college because I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and because of that, um, I actually had pressure from my college advisor to, like, pick a major <laughs> my sophomore year. Because I started as sophomore year, yeah. Because yeah. I started as a, an electrical engineering major, and because I'd had like four years of uh, calculus at that point, my dad is an engineer by trade, or not engineer. I'm sorry, electrician by trade, and um, and I really realized like that first semester, I was like, man, I am not cut out for this. 
like I'm looking at the other people in the class and how naturally this comes. This is not me. Um, also, I was just too social. Um, and then uh, for the jobs that I think were available at that time. So then um, I started taking economics classes, which the calculus was applicable to. And then, of course, just like some general business classes, because what else do you do at a liberal arts college if you don't know what you want to do? You get a business major yeah. or you get a business degree. For sure. So, yeah, I ended up getting um, a business degree um, with a focus in management. Um, I was able to triple major at that school, so I got an uh, economics degree. And then I, my other major was Japanese. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, you speak fluent Japanese as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's conversationally Conversational, fluent. Conversational, yeah. It's so hard. The reading is like use it or lose it, and I'm definitely losing it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> but gotta, I can still have a good conversation. Totally, totally. Uh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah, so um, you came to uh, Anchorage when? Like, so, you, you came yeah, back from school. I did, yeah. So I went to college in Oregon at Pacific University and then spent a year in Tokyo at Waseda University. And then when I graduated, worked in Colorado and then Seattle for a decade. But in 2008, we had that horrible crash, um, uh, financial crash. Yeah, and which didn't, weirdly enough, I don't think affected Alaska as much it as there. did not. I think we got, like, the biggest dividend ever, like, that year. <laughs> it's funny possibly. how that works. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. It was so wild because, you know, my parents were still living in Alaska at the time. And I'd come back every summer for a month to uh, work and fish. And I remember that year, like, so many friends, especially in the middle management level, um, which was kind of where I was at, um, people got laid off. Many people lost their homes. And it was a really depressing time to be in Seattle. And um, so I remember coming back and like every single friend that I had gone to high school with had like bought their second truck. I was taking like their fourth international <laughs> vacation this year. And I was like, something is wrong with yeah. the quality of life where I'm living. So um it, I started like looking for opportunities and in 2011 moved back up to Alaska to take a job with Alaska Communications. Okay. So, ACS. Yeah, yeah. ACS. Yeah. So, and then began my education in telecommunications, which was really hard earned. It was, ugh, it's so What did hard. you do for them? Um, I did outside sales for small business. Oh, cool. And yeah. um, I had another opportunity at the time to work for my cousin's dental um, supply company, which would have been very steady eddy, well-paying, very low stress. But I was like, gosh, if I don't know anybody in Anchorage. I knew three people that I went to high school with. And it's so weird because I would, I honestly <laughs> thought you like grew up here. Like no. every, you know, everybody, everybody right. knows. But one of the lessons I learned in Seattle running businesses was, you know, um, the best way to honestly meet people is to choose a job where you are forced to get out and network or make friends or just get out of your office. So I chose the ACS job and um, within two years truly knew like 2,000 new people. You know, it oh my was, gosh. but I was going to like four networking events a week, you know, <laughs> and then I was like spending probably most weekdays visiting six new businesses, small businesses in Midtown Anchorage. Wow. Yeah. What that a great crazy. way to get to know like yeah. the town and the people and the businesses here. That's awesome. And then uh, you transitioned from ACS at some point, I'm assuming. I did. And so, um, so after spending two years like slinging internet, um, then I decided to uh, take a break and open up and during that little like three months break um decided with one of my former colleagues crystal Beringer, to launch an events company and what that time attending networking events every single week taught us was that there was an opening in the market here to launch a very thoughtful um event planning and marketing company um to kind of raise the bar of the interactions yeah. For the business community. Interesting. So you you just up and decided like I'm going to quit my day job and start a business. Kind like, of. You know, it's how so did many, that, yeah, Tell me you know about how that. It is. It's like so I, many. I don't little, know how it is because oh, okay. I <laughs> I was kind of forced out, you know, and mm -hmm. then I had like I got to figure out what to do, so I'm going to start my own right my own company. But well, for it you, wasn't... it's like yeah, you you're just like I'm going to take three months off and figure out what I want to do and. Like, what, what was that? Exactly. Talk about well, that it kind of process. actually started earlier. So when I was at Intel, I was also teaching the SAT classes and GMAT classes for this company called Kaplan. And then I had also started selling, um, doing direct sales in a for a cosmetics company. And those Mary Kay. Mary I saw Kay, that on yeah, your LinkedIn. I, love, I still use Mary <laughs> Kay. That's why I only look 30, guys, not 46. <laughs> <laughs> but really, um. What was funny was I earned more working those two side hustles than I did at my day job. I mean, that wasn't hard. I think I was paid twelve fifty an hour oh, okay. to be an, yeah. Yeah, an economic analyst. Um, but 
what was interesting was like I made the hard decision to go full time into small business ownership and freelancing when I was 24. Okay. And my family totally freaked out. They were like, oh my God, why would you do this to yourself? They wanted you to have like that stable. Yeah, like climb that salary. ladder. Why yeah, would you do this? And I'm like, ladder. but I cared more about freedom, being creative. And I just felt that I had um, built enough confidence in myself to take the risk. And I could also see that the risks were pretty small. Yeah. I wasn't I, supporting a family. I was thinking yeah. about that this morning. Even, yeah, I mean, that was one of my reasons for not starting my own business earlier was because of the, you know, the support uh, system that I thought that uh, a regular, you know, 40-hour uh, work week would provide. But, um, yeah, in reality, it's it's your own. You got to make your own job security and security in this world. And um, But it, when you look at it, I think there isn't a lot of uh, – downside with people say like oh you're taking a risk but like what's the worst thing that happened i go back to a corporate job right exactly. That's like, and like, if you know your skills like i've never been afraid to be unemployed because yeah. i know how to sell yeah. every single business needs that's a so good salesperson cool. i think people right? need more of that confidence i think mm -hmm. that is what most people lack is like that confidence like oh i can i can do this if this doesn't work out yeah. Right, exactly. Now, I didn't develop those thoughts in a bubble. I had a lot of great business mentors who really encouraged me to understand that I was in a place where I could make more, like take more risks, and that it was good to bet on yourself. And how did you get mentors? I, that's one thing I have an issue question. issue with. You know, I, I've I've never had like a a solid, like consistent mentor. I've had people in my life mm -hmm. that really helped show me the way or give me the confidence or. Um, helped you know me develop skills uh, but yeah how did you how did you get like to the point where you found mentor did you like seek them out did you like say like oh I wanted to get to know this person that had a strategy mm -hmm. to like get around them or you that? know this is such a strange thing because I realized like man I've been pretty privileged my whole life with mentorship and I think it's because I grew up in a community of teachers you know my dad, my parents, especially my dad, are just fantastic mentors to other people. They want to teach. They want to teach. They want to guide. They want to stay in touch. And it's a part of their mission, like their life mission. So I was surrounded by those people. But um, I think I also learned at a young age how to ask for help. And I learned that there's a give and take, too. When I think back, I'm like, I think people were willing to say yes because they understood that I would actually try to take action on what they would tell me. Yeah. You know, and that, that's a that's part of the exchange. Well, that's what people say is like, yeah, there has to be some sort of value that you bring to the mm -hmm. table uh, to somebody who you're asking to to sort of take time with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I struggle personally because I, I do want to help people as well and mentor people. But um, I struggle with the the fact that you said teachers like I struggle with like teaching people like it's the fallacy of like experts or whatever yes. they call it, where you're like at this like level, you've done something for so long, mm -hmm. you forget what it's like to not know. And so you just automatically assume everybody knows what you know. And that's, that's really, I struggle with that a lot. And yep. I think uh, even with my kids, like just not realizing like, Oh, I need to slow down and like give them this information in a, in a way that they can absorb it. And Absolutely. I'm just not good at that. So it's cool that you found people that were able to give you that information. I had the desire to, to sort of help you and see your career through uh, and see the results of it. And that's uh, mm -hmm. obviously it all paid off because yeah, this all started with uh, uh, you sort of kind of getting to the point where you're building this events company. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I know. So I was going to say like, you know, so through those mentorships, I, and people just saying like, you know, you can really do this. I um, went full-time into sm as a small business owner at 24. And um, while um, like for the next several years, you know, just was paid on commission only and built, you know, you run into so much failure. It, it's insane. You know, there's months where you're like, wow, I can't pay all my bills. Okay. I need to rethink this. And I That's think scary. it is scary, but again, low risk. So I knew that. And I knew I could always just go apply for a job. So I think the hardest decision was, do I continue to keep going on this path? You know, and at some point I didn't, what I realized was like direct sales was wonderful as like a little incubator because everything's kind of done for you and, you know, you've got like a built-in community. However, I couldn't sell the business that I was making money in. Got it. And so that's when I stopped that, took the job. The Mary, this was the Mary, Mary Kay. Kay. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And also I'd started two other businesses in Seattle. <laughs> I launched um, a 
I, like have this problem with naming companies too long. One was called Global Language Adventures. <laughs> Glad Adventures. It was the longest website in the world. Terrible marketing. And I, I started it as a, on a dare, honestly, to um, see if I could um, get paid to travel the world and teach and help people like speak language more fluently. Okay. So we went to did Japan. it work? Yeah. It, it did. It's great. Yeah. And uh, so we went to Japan, um, took my Glad Ventures, uh, all a single, single Seattleites who had were in their 20s and wanted to see more of the world and wanted to make friends, you know, in other countries. So that was a really cool project. I also did some freelancing, um, uh, like helping people like edit reports, like technical reports and okay. things. Yeah. And then the other one that I started, which is really funny to me, uh, it was a tiny little one like called May May Foods where I created Chinese barbecue pork filling. It's so niche. It's so, so niche. Whoa. It's the filling inside of a Chinese dim sum barbecue bun. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. Well, yeah. you could probably sell that to like Cisco Food Systems or right. like some kind of like food distribution company. Like, right. and just get a co-packer to like you pack know, it it's up. Like if you wanted to scale, I don't know how you scale exactly. that business otherwise. <laughs> well, it's funny because that was like where I actually learned how to do better market research because in figuring out how to make that business scale, I was like, I don't want to do this business at all. Like, the margins are so low. There's so much risk in food. This is not for me. Um, oh, but, you know, I started, yeah. Anchor I started Anchorage Grocery before yes! I started Orange Slice. That was and awesome. I, I should have talked to people before about right. who had done food stuff before because, and I had already known, like, the mm -hmm. margins were slim, but I, I've learned really quickly, like, I need to sell a lot more or yes. I need to find something else and I end up finding something else. But yes. it's funny how those things all, I'm looking back, are all like the stepping stones to yes. where, where we get, right? Just Absolutely. It's like I picked up a little skill along the way. Just a throwback. It does feel a little bit like Legend of Zelda where you're just like, pick up this little tool yep. and this little one. <laughs> it's totally. <laughs> little gems. Yeah. yeah. Um, so finally getting to Toast of the Town, I think like – uh, what I had learned was um, that, you know, it would be wise to take, like, decompress, take a break from this, like, stressful corporate job um, and think about the next moves. And so we had been kicking around this events idea for about a year, um, but I really took that time to think about, like, if I was to build a business, what would my life look like? I already knew what it was like to work a ton of hours and to not have a good work-life in another podcast, you said you don't like work-life balance. I agree. You heard it's, that? Yeah, oh, okay. it was good. It yeah, was a good line. the work-life balance thing is fallacy. silly. It's, yeah. It needs to be uh, work. Uh, now I'm supposed to fly <laughs> around here. <laughs> no, it it needs to be work. Need, it should be something that you enjoy. Like work right. should be something you come, you get up on Monday morning. You're like, I can't wait to get, get to it. And that mm -hmm. takes a lot of, uh, you know, self-reflection and figuring out what gives you energy and like right. doing those things mm -hmm. and that's what I've learned and uh setting yourself up for success you know by mm -hmm. scheduling and planning and time blocking and exercising and relationship stuff yes. and there's a lot that goes into spiritual stuff meditation that mm -hmm. goes into creating a great um you know work life Exactly. Where it's all kind of melds together. But. I agree. It's more like integrated. I think one of the things that I was able to do in my 20s was because I was like, you know, running my own companies um, and managing my own time. Um, I had already created a lifestyle before I decided to like move into a new direction where I traveled multiple months of the year and would just go around the country wherever I thought I wanted to spend time. I'd escape the dreary Seattle winter, go to Florida you know, go to Hawaii, go to wherever I was trying to go. Um, and uh, so you had done that. I had done that. It, and also had like experienced in a failure where I was doing a lot of personal growth work. And so was figuring out like all of these neat little systems and I'd say like life hacks yeah. to like create a life that I wanted to live versus being focused on just the goal of profitability. Yeah. I love that. It sounds a little bit yeah. like Tim Ferriss, like the four hour work oh, week. Oh yeah. yeah. I like totally started a mastermind group. This is like the hubris of this makes me laugh, but in my early thirties, <laughs> I started a mastermind group. We met at my brother's apartment, which was like 800 square feet and we'd all pile in and every month we would like take one of the tasks from that book and start. And that actually was how I started to learn how to scale a little bit. So um, I hired three virtual assistants and, and got to the point where like my little cosmetics empire only took like 24 hours a week. 
I know. Nice. It's not that I couldn't have grown it, but yeah. I wanted to do other things. Yeah. And then and, and you was making enough money to where you were had right. enough to live on and some. Right, yeah. exactly. And then would use that extra time, like that was the period of time after reading the four hour work week where um which, you know, teaches you how to basically master your time and create replicable services and things like that, uh, where I was able to start playing and launching other companies. So that was a really cool experience in my 20s, but I didn't have it totally figured out, obviously. Oh gosh, you have such a crazy, like the amount of experience, like all while I was like, I was all during this time working at Skinny Raven for like a decade or more, which is, which is that's that's where I was and, and it worked out for yeah. me. Obviously. Did you have kids though? At the, at that I had point? kids when yeah. I was 20 years old. I had mm -hmm. my first daughter uh, when I was 21. Uh, my wife was pregnant at 19 and uh, now she's 22. Yeah. And now I feel like it's like my time, you know, right, like, this exactly. is like, like what I've been dreaming of uh, in terms of entrepreneurship. Um, I don't want to talk too much about me, but I did just buy a new business like two weeks ago. What? Yeah. Okay. So, tell me all the things. Oh, okay. This is so exciting. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> it's like we, a new baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've, uh, you know, as a marketing Orange Slice mm -hmm. is, is our my main um, business, uh, but we, um, you know, we've been doing a lot of uh, direct mail stuff. Uh, I feel like mail and your mailbox mm -hmm. is one of the best platforms to get a message out these days because yes. most people are getting their bills in their emails now mm -hmm. or auto pay. Um, you know, there's just not a lot of mail coming into mailboxes. And now you have the um, UPS. Mm -hmm. uh, do you get the the email that shows your mail? I do. Yeah. So you could see what's in your mail. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at that every single day. So um, we started, um, yeah, we started doing a lot of direct mail stuff and, and really selling into our clients and seeing success with it. That was the biggest thing. That's awesome. And uh, so we ended up um, uh, getting with the Valpac franchise, yes. the direct mail That's franchise great. called Valpac. And uh, we, uh, Mary, who's owned the franchise since 1986. I know Mary. Yes. Yeah, she's just the best, like just a great woman, uh, super hard to say no to, which is, her, I think, her yes, magic. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, she, uh, I, I had asked her probably a year and a half ago, like, hey, would you be interested in ever selling the business? And because she, she was just saying, you know, I'm getting old. My husband passed away and, mm -hmm. you know, and they had they had the business together. And, and I'm like, well, you know, I'd hate to see this go away. Like, just maybe just ask her, you know, and she was like, yeah, maybe. And then kind of just left it at that. And then, um, you know, fast forward like six or eight months. And she was like, were you serious about that? And I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. And, you know, looked at the financials and I'm like, this is we could do this so that's amazing congratulations and yeah and Valpac's a legitimate like scaled yes like, they have like the biggest print facility in the world down in florida oh, gosh it's it's an amazing they have all these tools and systems it's such a great um view of how a business can be scaled and how it looks to be like or super organized and the tools they use they have salesforce and lead gen stuff and uh it's great so yeah, between that and Icebug is my other business. I'm wearing my Icebugs right now. Uh, if, you, if you're not wearing Icebugs right now. You're crazy. Yeah, you're asking I, you're to break ahead. You're falling down. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting on, on that track. I'm getting excited about new businesses and what's next. And, I love and that. And adding stuff that makes sense with the mark on the marketing side, too. It does. But, uh, yeah. Well, the Valpac, I was going to say, like, I, you know, I'm a big fan of direct mailing, too. And actually, even um, I, the last few years I had my, um, my like, cosmetics business I worked with David's bridal and um, what I found even back then even when mailboxes were stuffed was that I could make people open the mail and feel really special just by having really cute like giant envelopes so I invested in like really expensive stationery yeah. <laughs> to market my yeah. my bridal the services it was like packaging it right you packaging. see it it's like a gold yeah, envelope it with still like feels special to get something cool in the mail but yeah. you're right even now it's really nice like I'm so starved for good mail. I'll actually read the campaign flyers coming through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm well, like, that's ah. the thing. Even when you throw something away, you right. have to look at right. it. Right. It's not like my inbox where I can just be like, delete, nope, delete. nope, nope, mm -hmm. nope. And then it goes to spam. Anything my right. computer knows, a lot of this mm -hmm. stuff is spam. So, yeah, uh, we're super excited about it. There's a ton of opportunity in Alaska. Mary just wasn't leveraging mm -hmm. any of the technology mm -hmm. or tools that they had. Um, and she was just, yeah, done. So mm -hmm. that's a lot of cool. opportunity. Yeah. I also really love it when you can, it's a, a smart way to like buy in. Like, that's what I feel like I got from direct sales too, is like really understanding how do you run a, a multinational company? Yeah. You know, what are the, how do you support more, you know, a large team, but make them feel part of a family? Um, how do you train people in a way that everybody has a high quality of training and you help people understand standards and values? 
um, but this, allow people to like make it their own. And I feel like your Val pack is going to give me oh, the most incredible ex- insights. Oh, their training's crazy. We're three weeks of training. We, we've Whoa. done it all week this week from 7 a.m. to like one. Oh my gosh. It's because they're on East Coast <laughs> yeah, time. Florida thing. But it's, yeah, in all the different departments. Yeah, it's just, it's unbelievable. And I'm really happy about it. I think we'll be able to help a lot of small businesses, um, you know get the word out about what they're doing and, and what kind of services and products they're trying to sell. So Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think one of the ways that you and I connected, Seth, was like, so, you know, I launched Toast of the Town um, in 2013 with Crystal and um, with just the goal that year of just like, let's see what's available. We saw the opportunity, but we don't have a track record or even a portfolio yet. So we said yes to every single event that year and started to build a, our portfolio. And our first big break was really a developing the ASRC signature gala from the get-go. We didn't have one. We got to develop it. That was really cool. But I think, like, one of the things that I think we connected on, I feel like, was really that we had such a heart for um, doing two things, like connecting with people, especially in person, and also, like, helping small businesses communicate the, their value proposition, like, and connect to new customers in a very meaningful, tangible way. 100%. Yeah. And yes. one thing I always loved was like, you gave me your cell phone and I would be like, Seth, I'm doing this like really exciting fundraiser. I don't have a giveaway. Do you have any gift cards? You'd be like, pick them up tomorrow. And I'm like, this guy is an answered prayer. You're always on top of it, always responsive. Meanwhile, other organizations, other companies like, hey, fill out this form. We'll get back to you in two months. Yeah. Yeah. I always appreciated it. Thank oh, you. Well, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. But yeah, no, you're right. I think we did. We do connect on that level. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I started Orange Slice uh, from the very beginning mm-hmm. was to help small businesses, as mm-hmm. many small businesses as we could. And uh, we've done so. I mean, we've helped. I think uh, we're up to a hundred small businesses oh that we've my helped. Gosh, that's and, and that's just, you know, a lot of it's just like sitting down and having right. a discovery meeting and giving them some tips and tricks on like how to how to better market themselves. Or how to, you know, how to, how to, or, or giving them the logo or getting their, you know, getting more um, dialed in on their email marketing or, or whatever it is. But what are you seeing right now in terms of, um, we talked about direct mail, but like, how are you uh, like marketing wise? You know, number one for me is the in-person stuff. The touch right. point can be physical. It's the best. I, at Kaladi Brothers, when I was a marketing director there, it was always like, I was a big advocate for being out in the community with that red truck and being like, that's mm-hmm. the best way we can, um, you know, get new, new clients, new customers. Um, and, and with skinny Raven as well, you know, with running events mm-hmm. and that and anything in person where you can create an environment that creates feelings and emotions towards a brand is, is really, um, what, what I strive for. But if you can't, you know, direct mail is a good one. It it, is. It's, a, yeah, it's a tactile absolutely. thing. It's physical. Uh, but what do you see as sort of like um, on the marketing front? You know, there's AI now, like, I, and I haven't seen really any super useful tools that, you know, help us, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, market better necessarily. Sometimes phrasing can be, but yeah, just like tools or or things that you see uh, on the on the marketing or getting messages out or getting getting people together or you know any any kind of like marketing stuff that you've seen that's really right. good or that you're doing well it's interesting so you know i sold toast of the town at the end of 2020 yep. we had our best year ever it was slammed though i worked seven days a week that year it was really hard at the and end of 2020 at the end of 2020 Holy shit. yeah we did 600 percent growth that year i know and we completely revolutionized our team um, because now we're able to hire nationwide and we brought on this incredible general manager named martha keel who now um who then who was going to buy in but then i was like i think i need to exit to do my next thing so she and crystal now run toast which is amazing and i will say like i just met with them a couple months ago and just speaking of in person for a moment i think the pandemic helped um us understand how important the in-person connection is yes and you know it really depends on the type of business that you have but that you can't replace the experiences with your product, with your services, with the providers. You know, even if like you're you're providing something digital like graphic design, them getting to meet you and maybe like see some of your work in person or see their logo on like something tangible like a mug. I mean, those Absolutely. things really make a difference. Anyway, so I think events I've seen come back in a huge way and I really believe like the standard of events in Alaska specifically have never been better. You're absolutely right. And oh, I think, incredible. Well, what about what DJ Spencer's doing with his family jams? I used, jam we used to run fans. that for him. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, know. it was him guiding us, but, but we yeah, provided the manpower. It's such a cool thing back. for families. It's yes. like, 
people have nothing to do in, not nothing but anchorage mm-hmm. has very little to do in in you know throughout like for a weekend for a family it's yes. like you got some ua ua uh, volleyball or hockey games or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah there's just not much going on so like stuff like that oh it's huge yeah. and honestly like I really love Jams for Fans specifically because it was inspired by this event called Baby Loves Disco that was in the lower yeah. 48. Yeah, yeah, But after franchise. talking with um, Spencer, it was like, you know, really, like, you understand your own brand better. And yeah. he's like a, you know, he's one a- time he, I think it was Thompson Coast told him he was a micro-influencer. But he really is. And so it was so exciting to see him build his own business, but also his own experience. And it, there's kind of nothing like it. It's you know, 400 people pack the Beartooth Theater every, you know, five times yeah. a year. Grandparents. Grandparents kids. to dance their faces off. Yeah. And it's healthy and Coolest it's so thing. fun. Oh, it's the coolest. So and think, it's legit music. It's yeah. not like and not four boring. hours of Baby Shark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think for businesses, if you can't do events like that yourself, try mm-hmm. to be a part of those type of events. Yes, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I feel like the some missed opportunities that small businesses um, and marketers who guide them could really take advantage of are look for the opportunities to sponsor. We have so many, not just nonprofits, but, you know, little organizations. I mean, it used to be the little leagues when I was growing up. And I mean, the truth was like, you get a lot of the community feels and support when you do support those things. But I would say like the tip for events that I've learned over the years is like, make sure that you're really clear about who your demographic is or who they're adjacent to, and then go and actively offer your support. What does Seth Godin call it? The smallest vi- viable audience? Yes, yes. Yeah, so like, find that. Find that, exactly. Yeah. I think there's two ways, though. Like, one of the things that I really love is, yes, sponsorship gives some money, but also, like, helping to cross-promote um, what they're doing. So, for example, like, I'll use Jams for Fans. Um, they have a really tight group of dedicated sponsors and they all share similar values and they share a similar audience. Yes. And so that's like, like very. Like dental groups. Yes. The Dome, I think, is in there. Mm-hmm. Pediatrics. Uh, yeah, pediatrics. Stuff that makes sense. And I think that's a testament to more to Spencer, probably mm-hmm. understanding his audience and, yes, he's and how marketer. to pitch mm-hmm. like to sponsors. Like, hey, this is your people. There's like, this makes sense. It does. It, and I think, though, that they can leverage it even more, like just by being like, um, you know, like if you knew like a pediatric group had a larger audience than you, but you're. A, like sponsoring alongside them that's a win for you yeah exactly so, yeah. yeah i did want to call out like a really exciting cross-marketing um uh, or co-marketing opportunity that we started in spinard last year so you know um after i sold toast i took three-month retirement heaven and then i was like what do i want to do next and wait is the three-month thing is there some meaning there is it just like feels mm-hmm. like a good amount of time i honestly think it's probably how long it took for me to the first month was to decompress, decompress. get rid of the stress i twitch the second was just live life have some joy. The third was like, gosh, you know, health benefits would be really nice. And also, you know, I want to build something new in the world, you know, so what's that? And um, Cook Inlet Housing Authority had uh, the NAVE, um, which is a hub for community culture and the arts, and they needed somebody to help relaunch it because it they had um, rebuilt it, renovated it during the pandemic, and it hadn't opened yet. It's a great so, space, yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous, and it's it just a really, really neat part of the community development program there. So anyway, I started there, but what I was noticing is uh, this is the same need that provides work for Orange Slice, but also um, has, has really never um, – I, get, I think there's always going to be a need for this as long as there's a lot of small businesses. And that is like an understanding of how to actually reach your audience and let people know you're in business. So when I was at ACS meeting all those like 2,000 clients in Midtown, I think actually my caseload was like 1,600. Um, the number one thing I came back with to my like supervisors was, hey, like happy that we're providing these services, but all these businesses desperately need marketing. Can I refer them to somewhere? And we didn't have anywhere. ACS used out-of-state marketing. Yeah, they probably asked you guys, like, hey, can you build us a website? Can oh, you gosh. help us with social yes. media? Can we get domain emails? Right. Like, what do we, how do we do this Google listing thing? Exactly, because <laughs> it used to be yellow pages, right? Yeah. Like, ACS had the yellow pages. Got it, got and it. And that's kind of where that bled over. And I was like, we have nothing to offer you. So I knew it was a need, for sure. And um, when I started in the NAVE position and started meeting with the businesses in the area, um, I was surprised to find that there was like two dozen new business or there were two dozen new businesses in the Spinard neighborhood that nobody had really realized had opened. And so um, we decided to, as a community there, um, a church across the street called Refuge City and some other artists and nonprofits decided to start this co-marketing initiative called Spinard Second Saturday. 
And it really came from a conversation with me and the youth pastor. And she's like, I think I really want to start a First Friday for Spinard. And I said, I've just got to be honest. It's never going to happen because downtown is established. People can pre-funk here. I knew that because I go to Georgia Blue, my favorite gallery. And you would see people in there before like 530s, maybe 6. But then they go downtown. They're not coming back. They yeah. go to the museum. They hang out. They go get a drink at, drink, uh, drink at Ginger. ginger. Yay. Yay. Shout out to our Ginger, favorite. our favorite. Yes. Um, and, and they're not coming back. I think we need to start our own. So Spinard Second Saturday has been going for a little over a year. And what it is is it's the businesses in – Spinard, um, as well as the artists, the nonprofits, the residents, getting together to just truly like volunteer their marketing um, efforts together to draw the community in one day a month for something special. Cool. It's just focused. Not that you you don't want to market all the other days, but it's like if your resources are small, yeah, and you want to give people a reason to at least come down once a month. It gives to them discover. a platform. It's a platform to discover different brands. Yeah, businesses. and it gives us a chance to like we use that platform to like offer some Google Business classes. We got a grant for, and also connect them with um, graphic designers and other advertisers who would help for either free or at a low cost. Okay. So anyway, so do they still do this? Yeah. Oh, okay. So every spin- you started so, this. Yes. Yeah. And um and it's been really exciting. Um now my office is downtown with the Women's Business Center. So I have to like make a special effort to get back down every single day, but the truth was this is where I spend most of my money. I spend almost all my free money in Spinard. Okay. You know, it's the best <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. Right? It's all the true. art galleries, all the shopping, yeah. all the fun. Yeah. Yeah, so it's there, but um, actually in December um, is uh, light up the night with Spinard, yeah. and uh, so there's going to be a ton going on December night. So. Cool, December 9th. December 9th. What are they going to be doing? Just like a whole festival? Like yeah. we need to, it's like an art walk, right? It, it, it kind could of be like a shut down the street art walk thing. Yeah, would be kind of cool, but it's a little chilly out. It's a little chilly, and Spinard, like the the for the north end of Spinard, has been rehabbed, and it's really walkable, bikeable. The yeah. rest is a nightmare. Yeah. watching people try to walk down that is so scary. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, no, it's I know. really bad. It's like one of those like compilation videos that run in cheap restaurants, you know, of like yeah. car crashes. Yeah, totally. You don't want that. So, but anyway, um, the Spinard Second Saturday, though, I was going to say it's more than an art walk. Like First Friday definitely has been centered around art. This is really about uh just like discovering what's new come discover the businesses that exist here come hang and they in each business is i'm assuming doing something kind of special or right advertising something yeah they to... give space to artists so there's uh open studios okay. um so there is still art involved but there's entertainment uh, lots of activities and scavenger hunts for hunts for kids so i think i brought up the idea with you before the wine walk idea did yes, i ever i love that I, I, you should I'm still just, totally do it you should bring I, that I, to I, I was gonna do it this Saturday. year and i keep saying i'm gonna do it and i told my staff about it and they started doing logos and stuff and then it was like oh it got too late you should but totally still do it i just it's need to do it, it. it's yeah. gonna be so fun and i think it would do the same thing you're talking about it would help people discover and i would do it downtown yes but it would help people discover businesses um because it, it's not just gonna be restaurants mm-hmm. with wine it'll be um art galleries it'll be boutiques you know the skinny ravens the the places where people maybe haven't gone or don't know about uh to to go just you know come in have have that tasting of wine the little ounce and a half Mm -hmm. or two ounces the business will have an opportunity to interact with people give them some sort of you know coupon or something to get them back and the idea is that it would be on like a third saturday of the month from like two to five and then people you know a thousand people or so will come downtown and then after the event they'll go out into the community and go back to those places to eat and, and Absolutely. shop. Absolutely. It gives so. you just another excuse to like get out and explore a bit. And I've told yeah. so many people on those been, I thought it would be like somebody would have so grabbed many, they it. Haven't. I also had the caffeine crawl was an idea I like when I worked one. for Kaladis. <laughs> so people you, know, you would go like go around the world by like drinking different coffees from around the world at different businesses and have like a passport stamp thing. I love that. Yeah. You know, you really could th- I mean, of course, like downtown has the coffee shops, but I think the coffee one would be easier in Midtown, Midtown Spinard. Yeah. Yeah, an easier trail. But the wine walk downtown would be amazing. And I mean, there's definitely a shortage. I've been surprised at, yes, events have gotten better, but um, I feel like the social opportunities in Anchorage specifically have really not even come back 50% yet. Feels yeah. like there's not it's a lot to do not still. To what, yeah, to yeah, what it was. Yeah, I think people are still Netflixing at home. Totally. They got, you know. everybody got into a little rut. They We're did. all in a little rut. I love getting out and doing stuff, but I also feel like I love being home more than I did before. <laughs> but that might be an age thing, too. Right. It's so true. It's so true. I know. It's like, I just want to go home and just get in. 
my like my wife like the first thing she does when she gets home is like put her pjs on and like yep. go i think we couch. feather like the older you get you feather your nest and then you never want to leave this nest yeah, yeah. It's like so it's good. like too comfortable tell, it's your birthday but you brought us a gift oh yeah and tell me about tell me about the uh what you have brought us because uh, okay. it's some kind of orange you said so um, this is a pomelo and in mandarin chinese it's yotsu and yotsu uh-huh and it, right now it's slightly underripe because you know alaska but uh, once it turns yellow it'll be great but this is one of the original citrus fruits of the world and um yeah, i have to is, watch a youtube video to peel it to you peel said. it has a super thick rind like maybe two inches thick oh my gosh and we should like, do really like delicate. a video of us totally un, like unpacking but, but it has this... to be ripe though right how do i know it's ripe when it's yellow okay. it's a little bit green still okay okay yeah. and but it has like the luck symbol on it right now but this is for oh. orange slice and it's going to be like when you slice this it'll be like the ultimate orange slice orange oh slice gosh. maximus you are the best i got you i did get you a coffee <laughs> yay thank you I for your so birthday appreciate that. yeah totally i feel i, I feel like a schlub because i totally like just failed on the birthdays i should have oh, brought okay. you a present i feel like after you're 18 eh, yeah you know yeah 21 maybe yeah yeah one. yeah so before we go i just want you to tell us what you're if you can uh you, you kind of like teased us with your new tech company oh, right. tell me about totally. it totally okay so bringing all of our random threads together <laughs> yes of, of my story here i think so you know one of the things that i've been paying attention to is um what the needs are for ai and what somebody like me who's not a techie i'm not going to become an ai programmer right like what i can do to build a business using it and it sounds like you have, you're married to one though i am married to one <laughs> that's yeah, he's convenient. using it to make like his he has an app that he and his uh his company built and he's using it to like get further faster it's so exciting what is it um so he created an app that helps monitor fuel tanks in remote areas oh, right because can you imagine genius. having to like send somebody to the middle of nowhere so to check but, the fuel <laughs> right but i guess like you can use it for programming too okay um just to, again to like check things or yeah. get code done faster so pretty cool um and okay I, sidebar real quick yeah because i've been uh, i've created I, i've had developers create a couple things lately but is there a place where we can go besides the app store i know that but do you know of a place you can go where like you can find like so pieces of software that like it's like a marketplace for software is is that does that is that a thing there is okay. and i'll get back to you because i don't know where but i know there is yeah because so. we're doing a tree of gifts for alaska mill and feed yes. and it's a digital tree of mm -hmm. gifts somebody clicks in puts in their email and phone number and then on the tree there's like all these cool gifts Epic. like a year's worth of dog food and ice bugs and then they click and the thing spins and it comes out and then it goes to your email and then you bring it that to the store. That is so creative. That's but really exciting. <laughs> I did it back in the day for Skinny Raven when I oh when gosh. I was there. But I, I hit up the same guy who developed it the first time. He's like, yeah, that code's not going to work anymore. We're going to have to redo Upgrade it, it, of mm -hmm. course. Yeah. And so I was thinking, like, maybe I could put this out in the marketplace, like this thing mm -hmm. that I had paid to build. And I could sell it or license it to other businesses because it would great. work for lots of retail businesses. Absolutely. Anyways, no, you, we'll talk about idea. that later. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a really good Back idea. Back to your tech company that you're starting <laughs> very soon. In a year. In a year. Is okay. Thinking. Anyway, um, so what I realized is that, um, like, there's still a gap in the market, just as there was when, like, Microsoft Office, you know, rolled out. And that is, like, helping people understand how to use it for their daily lives. Um, now my current day job is a coach and trainer for the Alaska Women's Business Center. It's an SBA program. And um, many of my uh, clients have been asking about, like, you know, I'm hearing about AI. I've tried ChatGPT. How can I utilize it? And what I realized is, gosh, you know, beyond, like, these solopreneurs that I'm mostly working with now, uh, established small businesses are going to be wondering, like they did 30 years ago with Microsoft Word, like how to actually use AI in their daily, in their daily business. So, um, uh, I think like what I'm imagining is this that is a big question for every. I think everybody yeah, who's in business is. and who knows what AI can mm -hmm. is capable of so far. Like this is a big question. So, go ahead. Uh, yeah, and so I essentially what I plan to do is like start a global training company. That will help businesses, you know, with the very basic understanding of like, you know, how this can simplify, especially like their administrative work, um, okay. editing, just get 
yeah, just There's make the actual daily work faster. And what I'm anticipating is people become more efficient, maybe find more joy in their work because it will reduce the drudgery. Yeah, I know um, you can't reveal a lot because it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's your business and it's a lot of it's going to be pr- proprietary how you set it up. But does this have something to do with the, the I saw ChatGPT is introducing like an app store thing where you can develop. Yes. Tools and then I There'll can go There'll be a piece of that. It. But I do think like the, you like know. training, like you can go training. to a business and say like, okay, what do you guys do? Like, how does it look? And then how can we integrate AI into right. what you guys do? That's and I think awesome. one component that just being a Gen Xer, right, who likes the in-person, <laughs> I think part of what will be our special offering is that we will physically go wherever you are into your office and actually sit down with the people and work with them. You know, that is cool. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a part of it. Versus so. somebody who's just like, yeah, I'll help you with right. the AI integration, but it's emailing you that feels like right. spam. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I do have a resource for, for AI, by the way. Um, have you already heard of the AI Marketing Institute? No. Okay. So Jennifer Christensen from Beacon, who's always like a, a visionary, she's always like ahead of the curve a little bit, um, brought it back during Alaska Startup Week. Um, and did a free training for us and was like, if you take nothing else away, go to this website and go deep into like all of the tools they have, because it's not just good for you individually, but if you need to train a team on how to use the AI tools for marketing. Was this the seed that started this whole thing? No, I've already been You already had I use I use ChatGPT for like probably two hours a day in just my regular life. I use it for everything. So smart. Yeah. I'm just I, trying I to always forget about it and I'm like, oh yeah, I, got, I could use this. It's on my phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you do pay for the GPT-4. Yeah, yeah. I do. And yeah. how much better better is it than 3.5? Oh, it's light years. Really? Yeah. It's light years. I it feels like dial it. up. What is it like 20 bucks? Yeah. Oh. It's 20 bucks a month. Month. Well worth well it. Well worth it. Holy cap. All right. Yeah, what so do you use it for mostly right now? Like, um, and, and, or maybe a better question is like, what is the most useful thing that you've used it for that really like got well, your maybe got your time back or right. stress or something that maybe caused you some pain that you, it took away? A couple of things are like I'd say the most important one is like I actually use the dictation service because I'm a talker and I can talk obviously very tangentially, and I basically just ask it to serve as my like my scribe and and then editor and I just download I just talk freely until I'm done. And then I ask it to pull out, like, what were the topics? Can you please organize all the things that I dumped out? What are the tasks that I need to do? What are the takeaways? What are the common themes? And I use it to analyze and consolidate my own thoughts. And it helps with, like, reporting from my job, thinking through new ideas. Yeah, Um, like your own brainstorming. It's my own brainstorming. Yes, thank you. That's a really good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I need to start doing this. I know. Yeah, I think you'll just find that it. Um, the more comfortable you get with it, I guess it's like Siri a bit. Like it took us all a while to get used to asking Siri for things. Well, but, talk but about this, a failed product, though. Siri, like you guys, Apple <laughs> can do like the most amazing things in the world and you still can't figure out how like Siri, like she still asked me. I'm like, call my wife and she'll like one out of 10 times be like, which one? <laughs> yeah, and I look down at my phone and my one. wife's in my phone <laughs> twice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so funny. Figure it out. I know. Like, Actually, you... I asked Siri for directions to Eureka Space just to figure out the fastest way okay. to date. She's like, I can't find such a place. And I'm like, yeah, it's the worst. Oh, really? You can't find such a place? <laughs> Anyways, Carrie. Thanks for your time. Yeah, cheers. Let's cheers been, our Kaladi coffee. Yeah, Kaladi coffee. Uh, it's been so good having you. Thanks uh, for the I time. I think this is one of our best episodes yet with uh, for people interested in like, you know, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs or just some fun conversation. It's really been great uh, getting to know you better. Likewise. Uh, Thanks, Seth, for the invitation. Thanks for coming in.